Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Starting his career as an enlisted soldier at the age of 17, he understands the requirement to recruit great people, develop leaders, or large organizations. Chris Schmidt, former Army Special Forces Green Beret and founder of Azimuth Consulting, joins the Security Clearance Careers podcast to talk about his 30 years of service in the U.S. Army, how the lessons learned from special operations and combat seamlessly translated into his leadership consulting organization. During the three decades of military experience, he has gained a lot of knowledge through commanding, planning, and executing special operations missions around the world. His career allowed him to serve as a mentor and trainer in combat and uncertain environments, which he draws on to facilitate and advise dynamic leaders in today's volatile and sometimes uncertain business environment. We also talk through pivoting to a new field or career after the military and some self-talk to get you through it. Well, I, I'm you know, really excited to kind of dive into what you did for Army Special Forces as a Green Beret, uh, what you're currently doing with your own consulting and kind of getting into professional development and self-development. I think that's, that's really important in any industry, but I mean, specific, this is the Security Clearance Careers podcast. So very, very important and critical for national security leaders. But first, thank you so much for joining me for this episode today. Right on. Thanks. We've talked about some other podcasts that you've been on previously, and you've talked about the experience of starting as an Army private. Let's talk a little bit about your background in the military and what you did over that 30-year span. Right on. You know, I applied to West Point out of high school, not because I had a big family military background. My dad was my dad was drafted. My grandfather was in World War II, but no one ever talked about the military. And military really wasn't a thing around the family. But I think somewhere in that journey in high school, I was like, I really want to go to a school where where pride's a thing. I want to go to a school where those ideas at West Point of duty on our country was was real. And so I applied to the academy and and, and this is really I think where my journey starts is I applied to the academy and the academy returned with a letter saying, you know, we're sorry, but we don't think you'll be academically successful at West Point. (laughs) For someone that had been pretty successful up to that point, that was a big, a big blow. And and those that know my story know that, you know, I went through basic training and I worked really hard and even as a 17-year-old private, uh, ended up at the end of basic training as the honor grad. You know, I went immediately to my break and I went to the library and I filled out my application for the prep school, you know, ultimately to still try to get into West Point. And, and I did that because it, that idea of incrementation, that idea of building on was something that even as an 18-year-old, really resonated with me. And I knew that my SATs were not at the level of what I needed in order to to not only get into West Point, but even just be successful there. There was a lot of work that I needed to do. And the story goes, I took the SATs 12 times in order to get... My goodness. <laughs> to, get, to finally get that spot. <laughs> I don't know if 12 is exactly the right number, and that also might be a shortcoming of my my math abilities, but, uh, but I think it does capture a piece that 
if there's a theme that we could run out from day one of the army to my retirement and now continues to where I'm at six plus years after getting out of the military is that idea of consistency, uh, that idea of incremental progression. Well, and, you know, try, try again. Be resilient when when you do fail. And so I want to talk a little bit about that preparation and resilience. And I, I heard a quote of yours, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have the right weapon or the right armor, etc. And so kind of knowing what was next after your transition and Let's talk about how you came to the decision to move forward with Azimuth. There was a, this This moves that story from being a private to, I think, the place where I, I had a thought about what I want to do in my someday life. I can trace back into, I was the operations officer of the Joint Special Operations Task Force for the Sahara. And I was at one of our fire bases in Mali that we were working to train Malian forces to create security so that they could then allow for that incremental progression of world vision to coming in, putting in a well, or Catholic world relief working to to build a sewing cooperative. The, the bottom line is I'm sitting outside this this blockhouse and it's 122 degrees and I'm sipping on sipping on a hot bottle of water on a cot and I'm thinking my someday place is in a place that's much more rainy than this. But I'm doing a lot of what I'm doing now and that's helping others and helping others in a space that they're able to be their best. They're capitalizing on their strengths and they're able to follow through with, you know, in the case of what we're doing this this era, maybe just a little bit of a better life. To employ kindness as a tool, to employ, you know, what do I do best and and focus on those best to accomplish a better situation. That thought sitting on that cot in Gao Mali at 122 degrees was you know, my someday life, I want to take executives into the mountains. In my someday life, I want to be able to take these ideas of just put one foot in front of the other on the things that you do well and be able to help them be better leaders, be a bit kinder. And if possible, have that conversation, not necessarily always on Zoom, but have that conversation on a snowshoe, on a hike, in the mountains, paddling a mountain lake. Because in I knew that in that environment, there are more possibilities versus when you're in a stress behavior, you just can't be in your prefrontal cortex and you're you're just kind of doing but you might not be doing you know what's best for you or others and to be an advisor coach mentor in corporate america is really what i put together with azimuth because i really believe that if you pull out your compass and you know exactly where you're going and you put one foot in front of the other using that idea of that it, it leads to it leads to pretty good things well, and there's something to be said about remote locations, and I'm not talking about remote work. You know, I, prior to supporting the defense industrial base, I worked at a wilderness school and lived outside. And so there's something to be said about being in that different environment and thinking differently and thinking creatively and being a little more introspective, but also really building sort of a community and relying on others. And I know that 
when folks are kind of transitioning into a new field or even just trying to develop themselves professionally, it really helps to sort of rely on others and listen to others. And I'd love to talk about how you found that community or mentors after the military or while you were sort of navigating your transition, you know, today, how you home in on those listening skills and what mentors can do in that listening aspect. You know, you just captured something that was a really essential aspect of my transition, and that was being outside. Uh, and and I know that I'm someone who, who does better when I'm doing. So to be able to go for a hike, to think through things. You know, when we were thinking about, when my wife and I were thinking about our transition, and, you know, we had made a decision to retire from the military. And at the time, we're living in Ottawa, Canada, and we're thinking about that someday place. 100% was about who we wanted to be. So, you know, right now I look out my window and it's snowing outside. We're expecting somewhere between 12 to 15 inches of snow today, which means, you know, definitely tonight is another skiing night. Being in a place where we could be outside, to have that space, to be able to think. And, and, and clearly in the first year of developing my business, I was doing a lot more hiking than I'm doing right now. But I'm still, well, I guess, you know, the fun thing is two of my clients today will be a walk and talk versus over Zoom or over a phone call. It is, it is coaching outside on the move in a space where then they can see greater possibilities and not feel trapped in their office or trapped in their spot or trapped in the dilemma of where they're at. But being in a majestical outside environment really changes changes the equations and changes the you know what's possible i can completely relate to all of this i just love the concept so much and you know your experience in the military was surrounding commanding planning and executing these special operations missions all around the world. And I'd love to move on to your business and the Traverse, where you take clients on this four-day expedition on a mountain and being in the great outdoors. And so kind of relating the Traverse to the principles of military leadership, how do you draw on that or make those connections for this expedition? You've already captured the essence of what we're trying to to do and that's we want to be able to take the lessons from our experience not make it completely army or completely military but take those lessons the best of those lessons and incorporate it on a the traverse that you know the, the one that's coming up next in September will be a four day three night hike through the Montana mountains and when we get up to camp the first night and my logistics team is making dinner over the fire, we're going to have a conversation about about possibilities. And one of the big conversation pieces are, are one of those elements of U.S. military special operations attributes of adaptability. And we'll have a conversation about adaptability and looking at the route and and looking at the situation you know, we've been up there on a day where there's a whole bunch of snow on the route. And as a result, we're going to have to adjust our route or we're going to adjust the way that we do things. And the mountain and the environment in that mountain place allows for a parallel thought of, 
what you can do, what you should do, you know, what are those possibilities that I could put in play when I go back home and when I, when I act and I serve in my own community, uh, with my own family, with my own business, with whatever it is that is your reality, that mountain and the experience in the mountain and the, the experience of summiting four mountains over four day, three night period really becomes a great analogy just for the life that you could lead when you go home. Sure. And you talked a little bit earlier about being in these different environments, you know, what it does for the brain and your thinking. And so there are different psychological methods or assessments that you kind of maybe use informally in your summit, but how can listeners maybe apply them in like the job search or leadership development kind of relating to our space? Yeah, right on. And there's a, you know, there's a huge battery of possibilities. The tool that I use, and in fact, this morning before this podcast, I chatted with a client that's going to be going on the September Traverse. And and we did a debrief on his Berkman Method assessment. And the Berkman Method is a tool that was created by Roger Berkman, who served in World War II as a bomber pilot. And, And he would recognize that during missions, what he saw and what he acknowledged during debriefing was different than the three other guys or the seven other guys on the aircraft with them. And and during that debrief, they would all have a different story. And he'd be like, well, how can that be if we're all one double arm's length apart from each other? And, and, and the bottom line is everyone sees different perspectives. And the tool looks at, well, how do you look at, how do you look at assertiveness? You know, what leadership style do you resonates best with you, not only in your application, but what you need in order for you to be your best. What style of how much respect do you need? How much reward do you need? Now, what's your thought process? Are you a quick, decisive thinker or do you need to to jump into the swamp of ambiguity and be able to check out all the details? You know, all of those elements are part of that tool. And then that tool gives you a chance to see, well, when I'm being my best, this is what I'm doing. When I'm being my best, that's the hilltop that I'm seeing from. But I also understand that my partner in the business or my coworker or my boss might be on a hilltop that's very far away. And as a result, he might be looking in the same direction as I am, but he's seeing something very different. And the tool allows for not right or wrong, but how different can play into the success of the organization. And and that's what I do with Azimuth is that, you know, I do take individuals and teams on these outdoor expeditions. I, I also, you know, work with them just on that, with that Berkman data, we map it out and we physically stand on a map to be able to see where, where everyone is serving as, as their best and the team to be able to see, well, if you're much more analytical and I'm much more action, you know, I'll own the driving piece, but you know, I'm going to rely upon you to be my thought partner, or I'm going to rely upon you to bring out those details. And and what's cool about that is that, well, that's how, that's how we worked in that special operations community. You, you relied upon your analysts to give you the best information. And then you started with that as your starting point to be able to put together a plan to act and be able to, to make a difference from how the pilots serving as their best the, the analysts doing their best, the drone operators 
they being operating at their best, or everyone seeing a little bit different picture, but bringing it all together kind of as, you know, as Stan McChrystal would say, as a team of teams to be able to bring that all together in a way that everyone can prosper. Sure. Well, I'm, great analogy on different perspectives as, you know, you're, you may be standing in you know, a different vantage point, but, uh, you know, obviously you look back and reflect on your experience at that operational and tactical level for your work today. I mean, you facilitated the success of partner nation leaders, general officers, government leaders in Afghanistan, the Balkans, Northwest Africa and Canada. So drawing on that experience, it sounds like it does a ton for some of your clients and with the consulting that you do. But, you know, as we close out, first of all, thank you again for joining me for the podcast today. So you embrace the the great outdoors through your workshops and sort of these non-traditional programs. And so would you have tips from a different vantage point than a lot of my other guests? Would you have tips for those maybe in career changes and are not sure what's next or maybe worried about the transition or don't have a thought partner or a mentor of their own at this current point? You know, clearly having a thought partner is is important but i think step number 1 is creating yourself enough runway or enough space to think about what's possible <laughs> you know as as military professionals or just you know professionals in in our our collective space you know we're people of action we're people with a bias for action so there's a desire to to quickly find a job even while we're in <laughs> while we're in that that leave period, terminal leave period, well, I'm going to, I'm going to double dip and I'm going to get a job as fast as I possibly can. I guess what I'd encourage folks to do that when they're in their transition is to take the time to reflect. You know, if, if hiking is something that resonates with you, go on long hikes, you know, if getting outside or, you know, if journaling, the bottom line is create space so that you're just not acting, but you're being deliberate and you're allowing for a thoughtful approach of not what you do in your transition, but who you want to be. I think as I, as I chat with transition special operators, especially, I, I reinforce that conversation over and over again of who do you want to be? And then think about that, who you want to be, and maybe what does that translate in terms of where you live? Or, you know, what you do, because, you know, I think that making that a decision that's based on some greater thought, some greater space allows for not only greater possibilities, but allows for much more happiness or fulfillment in that next, next phase of life. Because that's, you know, it's essential that we had the opportunity to make a consequence in so many different places on the planet. I feel blessed that as a result of what I get to do right now. I feel like those leaders that I work with at Starbucks or Google or Expedia, I feel like the success of Seattle Genetics on a, the next cancer-solving drug, I get to play a small part in that in helping them make better decisions or be better leaders or, you know, ultimately makes the world a little bit better place. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cleared Cast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.